All right. <clears throat> Just remember, you have two cameras now, so you can look at whatever you want. So I'll use a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is it my turn? Yeah, it is. All right. I figured it out. I've got uh, I've got evens. You've got odds. <laughs> I figured that out today. I was like, Oh, oh wow! Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Welcome everybody. It's uh the wait, what do I say? It's the ninth podcast. Yeah. Right. We're at number nine. <laughs> <laughs> good start. Good start. Way to go. Yes. Go team, God is go. good. All right. Welcome, everybody. It's Massey and Mike. We're in the ninth podcast. Ninth podcast. Ninth. We are already in second month. We're working on our third month, man. That's amazing. And it's thanks to you guys and all your support. Um, We're going to do something a little different tonight. Usually we have a topic that we're we're discussing. There's always something new that that we're bringing up and and all that stuff. But we're going to cut it a little bit different tonight because I'm going to be gone for the weekend and this is kind of a precursor to what we're going to do next week. Yeah. Uh, Mike really had this idea and I want Mike to share why he wanted to do this. He's kind of the topics guy. So a lot of the times I'm just flowing with what he wants to do. And uh, we just want to thank you for tuning in. We thank you guys for all the shares, the love, the support, Absolutely. all that stuff. But uh, I'm going to leave it in the hands of Mike and he's going to kind of lead me where he wants to go here. So, so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to do a testimony night. And we're kind of going to, we're going to handle the background of Massey. We're going to figure out who he is, mm. what his life has been, what's uh-huh. been going on. Blessed and highly favored. Yes. We're, we're going to talk about all the meals he ate yeah. <laughs> through his lifetime. <laughs> my likes and dislikes. Yep. And my idea for this was... The story. So you guys could get a little bit better idea of who we are and get our story, where our faith walk's been, where, yep. where our life, why we are the way we are. So, yeah. Um, Massey, first off, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I think, uh, I'm learning more and more as I get older that I'm getting older. Uh, hopefully I'm getting wiser. Right. And my kids are growing up. I can't do the things I used to do anymore. And God's like tempering me. Right. Uh, so there's just a lot, but it's, it's awesome. I mean, I'm having a good time doing what we're doing and I like being busy, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, both of us enjoy being busy. Absolutely. Very busy. Absolutely. Um, so Let's start this off at the beginning. Yeah. Right? That's how it always starts. You start way back at the beginning. So people probably noticed you're Mexican, right? Did you? I thought I was Jewish. I mean, I Oh, could, is that what you yeah, are? I'm Jewish. My bad. I'm Look sorry. My schnoz. I'm you're, kidding. You're Jewish Italian? I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Hispanic, man. Uh, grew up, uh, my parents were migrant workers. They came here in the 60s. My dad did. Um, him and my mom dated, uh, for five years while she was in Mexico and he was up here in the States. Pretty amazing story. So they kept in touch with each other by correspondence. Hmm. And, uh, well, he finally brought her up here legally, by the way, that happened legally. And, uh, so they moved to Washington state. My dad was working at a store. He was one of the managers at some, like a Piggly Wiggly or something like that, some grocery store. And, uh, he got saved and, and all those things. And, um, he had, my younger brother had already been born or my older brother, my younger brother had already been born. <laughs> Stupid. My older <laughs> brother was already born. Uh, and my dad was like a drunk and, and he was all these things when he got saved. I mean, he just said that like God really turned him 
where he couldn't even touch a cigarette anymore the next day. It was like an instant thing. So and I know one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a lot of guys with addiction, like, man, I wish God would just do that to me. Yeah, and, you absolutely. know what happened to my dad? Um, he, he really flipped his life. Um, so much so he was an abuser and he used to beat my mom. It was a story I found out later on. I think I was probably 16 or 17. It was told to me, yeah. you know, and, and I think he did that because he didn't want us to disrespect him. Right. But it's like, dad, you know, it's the past. You know, I, I don't yeah. know that about you, you know? So, but to his credit, you know, he, he raised us up in a, in a Christian home. I was born in Washington state. Uh, by the time I was two and a half weeks old, man, we moved, it was like two and a half weeks. He said, we moved to Texas. And uh, I was there till I was about seven. Dad had a little church. He worked at another grocery store. There he was one of the top manager guys. Um, we had uh, the, the only memory I have of that. Like, there's a little couple of memories here and there. But the only time I remember being at church was I have a couple scars on my hand. And <laughs> the Hispanic culture, man, is like very strict, you know, like and my mom was going to watch this. And she's going to be like, man, why are you telling them stories? Right. And my mom had a temper. I don't know. Y'all that are Latin in the room. Mama got tempers, right? Yeah. And uh, so I remember one time I was up for prayer. And she, mom was like, church, you know, it's pastor's wife. My dad's a pastor now, you know? And, and so we went up for prayer. So we're at the altar kneeling. And of course, me, I'm like four, you know? So I'm like, I'm playing cars, right? And she pinched my hand and it bled. <laughs> I got the scars still. Never play cars Never, again. No, sir. So I'm crying, right? And the pastor's like, oh, look at this child crying to the Lord. I'm like, man, I ain't crying for that. I remember that. Like, I remember... Uh, all that stuff. So like my, my earliest memories of church was like constantly every day, you know? And and then uh, by the time I was five, I went to another church in McAllen, Texas, down by South by the border there. And I saw the band and I was like, wow. And my dad played guitar, but I'd never played. I just saw his fingers. And I remember there was a bass there and I said, Hey, can I plug it in? And my dad will attest to this. Like I never touched a bass in my life. I plugged it in and started playing with the band, never touched a bass in my life. And my dad's like, what? And then all the pastors are like, are you teaching him? He's like, I never knew he could play because yeah. I never I never was trained. And so picked up a bass, started playing, started playing with the band a little bit. So my dad had this crazy idea of family bands. You know, and, and then again, <laughs> living by vicariously. Did he see the Partridge bus and all of that? Straight up, bro. <laughs> it was like, wow, family ministry. You know, this is amazing. And, yeah. you know, what could we do with our kids? And so from five and on. By the time we were seven, or I was seven, my older brother was nine, my mom would sing, I would help her, dad would sing, he played the accordion, I played the bass, my brother played drums, uh, sometimes dad would play guitar, yeah. and so we would travel, and sometimes we'd have other guitar players come in, and dude, all I remember about church, man, honestly, was dad would rarely get an offering, we were broke all the time, um, the only time I didn't go to church was Tuesdays, right, and uh, I hated it. So from seven, we were touring nationally. We were going to like Iowa, Texas. We went to Mexico a couple of times, Minnesota. I mean, we were traveling at seven, you know, so we would travel all over these places. Dad would preach and do his thing and dad loved it. And we did too as kids, but then all of a sudden you get older, you know? So by the time I'm 14, 15, I'm like, this is ridiculous. And he had to force us to like practice. And to be honest with you guys, like God was not my thing. Like, can anybody relate to that? Yeah. Especially in the room, because I know there's people in the room and they're doing the video stuff. But like my dad preached to me about Jesus Christ. So I had this intellectual knowledge of God and, and stuff. And my mom would be like, mijo, you got to do right. You can't do breaking the commandment. You know, she would say all this stuff. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> and, and there was all these strict rules of like, I couldn't go to a movie theater. And, mm. you know, I mean, when, I remember when I got my tattoo, it was like, oh, have, you know, oh, hell, that's hell. World War III. Oh, dude, you know, the pits of hell are starting to burn my hands, <laughs> you know, all this other stuff. And I, I just, I remember when I was 16, I left the house. Yeah. 
I told my mom and dad, I said, I'm done. And the reason was because like, I'm ambitious, you know what I mean? So I saw, forgive me. And I'm just going to tell you my, my blunt story, right? I was pretty, I was a racist Mexican, man. I was tired of white people sometimes, you know, and I grew up with white people. It's it's actually good to know that because it shows that you came from the other side instead of always having this respect for white people and and viewing it as like, oh, he just, you know, he's the Uncle Tom of Mexicans. Right. You know, know, and and, and what sucked, too, was as I was growing up in high school, I wasn't Mexican enough for the Mexicans and I wasn't white enough for the whites. So I was caught in this conundrum, right, where I'm like, I speak perfect English, but I can speak Spanish very well. Right. And then on top of that, like, my friends who were white were my boys. I loved them to death, right? And I had one Korean friend. You know who you are. Right? <laughs> Just one out of the group. <laughs> Korean dude. Comes out of nowhere. Left field. You know, his name's Jim. He's on my board. He's an amazing guy. And I, I just, I was so mad that the whites had the money. Because hmm. we grew up poor. We were on food stamps. I mean, we, we moved probably 13 times growing up. Moved to Texas and back when I was a kid. I was so uh, insecure about who I was. So I tried to fit in. I tried to be the popular guy and I'm like, yeah, look at me. I'm spring fling King. I'm always in the paper of a town of 3000 people. Right. I'm yeah. thinking, yes, I'm the bomb. Right. And, uh, I remember I saw this white dude with a truck and it was beautiful. It was a brand new Ford. It was white. It was beautiful. It was a drove by. And I said, daddy, how come he can have that truck? I was probably 15. He's like, cause he's got a business. Check out, man. So by the time I was like 18, 16 to 18, I was really not in the house anymore. Um, I remember at 18 years old, I went to college, didn't really hang out at house, had a girlfriend, was staying at her house all the time, right? And just being stupid. I wasn't a Christian, but I would say I was a Christian. I had the same convictions as a Christian. I would look the Christian part, all these things, and because I had a head knowledge. And um, I remember when I turned about 21 or 20, I almost killed myself. This is the weirdest story, dude, because I had a great girl. I had a job. I was going to college. I had money, um, had everything I wanted. I had this really nice sports car. I had like, you know, back in the day, Tommy Hilfiger pants were like the yeah, thing. I remember Had that. them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Had the nice stuff. Had a really nice leather coat. Had jewelry. Had all these things. And I was at my wit's end, dude. With what? Because like you could give the Christian answer of, well, I, I didn't have Christ, which that's didn't even know in that. a way that's true, but you didn't even know that. So like, what do you think was there that was causing that real? I have no clue. I have no clue. I just felt like this stupid, like what's life for? Yeah. Like what's it for? Even with pushing for a business and having the pushing for a business and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I was like, what, what is this all about? I was going to school. I was doing fine. Yeah. And one day I just woke up, dude, with like this sense of like urgency of if, if this is all life is, I'm done. And the girl I was dating was an amazing girl. Amazing. She loved me, all this other stuff. Well, I remember I told my mother, if God doesn't save me in two days, I'm going to kill myself. And I can't tell you why. It wasn't even like. I need Jesus. I just yeah. got to know who God is. That's my, my, my question. Because everybody said it. I went to so many church services and I was tired. I, I, and as a matter of fact, this is going to sound funny, but I've probably stepped foot in a Spanish church maybe five times since I've been saved and since 2001. You know? yeah. So I don't even go to them anymore. And, and I got a bad taste. There was a lot of hypocrisy. Everybody says that, right? And to all of you who say that's why I don't serve God because of hypocrites, have you ever been to a gym before? <laughs> you ever see fat people running on a treadmill? 
right? You ever see people are like, man, I'm going to stick to my diet. And then like after New Year's, like the first week, they're eating cake. Yeah, my New Year's resolution was not to be healthy. They did it, right? And so, but they're still going to the gym. They're trying. They're trying to justify themselves. Would that make you stop working out because there's hypocrites in the gym? Absolutely not. You're there for you. You're there to receive what you need from that gym because you need to get healthy. The same thing in a church. The people that represent Christ sometimes are the worst, and Christ even warned us about them. There will be some that are deceived. In the last days, there will be some who are false teachers and false prophets. And so I had to realize that, but I didn't know that at the time. So I said, God, if you don't show me who you are, I'm dead. I'm done. Told my mom what what was going to happen. And wouldn't you know it? I think it was the first night my mama went to prayer. Folks, I got to tell you this, man. My mama. I don't know if I'd be a Christian if my mama wasn't praying. I can honestly say that. I don't I don't know <clears throat> if I didn't have a praying mama that <clears throat> that I would be that guy that, that got lucky enough to be chosen by God. I mean, he chooses me anyways, but it's like she really fought for me. And I remember <clears throat> I, I, I said, God, if you're real and all this other stuff. And dude, ironically, like it was like the next night or something like that. My dad and I have the same name, right? Which is odd because I'm like, we're Mexican, right? I'm like, whatever happened to Juan or Pedro? <laughs> Massey? You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> Two guys right? in all of Texas what? named Massey. <laughs> yeah, like it's a Greek name. My full name's Macedonio. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's, it's a full, you know, it's a Greek name. And uh, I remember uh, we, we got a phone call from the house. I was at my house, my dad's house. And he got a phone call and he said, hey, it's a young girl. It must be for you. And they were asking for him. And what the story was, um, I got saved by a 22-year-old punk kid who was like trying to start a ministry in the town. It was pretty adjacent to me. Yeah. It was a couple miles away, 12 miles, maybe something like that. And uh, they had come from Minneapolis. It was a couple hours away. And so they had come down. They were staying at the hotel in my town. Han- the story, if I remember it right, the, they handed a gospel track to the receptionist and she knew my dad. And so they call my house. The young girl's like, hey, we're looking for Massey. And he's like, it's a girl. It must be for you. I went to church church service that night. This guy named Jake. If you guys go to uh, theamericanview.com, you'll see Jake McCauley's the president of it. I'm the vice president of it. And so he goes, he travels on uh, teaching on the Constitution. He teaches courses. And uh, this guy's amazing. But he was 22 at the time, and I was 20, 21. And he starts preaching the law of God. Starts preaching, man, you ever told a lie before? You ever steal? You ever lie? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, you still do it. He, then all of a sudden he goes, you ever look at a woman to lust after in your heart? I'm like, Oops. yeah. <laughs> he brought me back to reality because I went in there playing the good Christian kid. And yeah. dude, God rocked me. God rocked me. I was still going to college. And that night I got saved. And I went through another semester of college. And I just said, this ain't for me. This just ain't for me. Um, I, I love kids that go to school. But for me, college just isn't it. I'm not a I'm not a book guy. I like studying what I like, which is like history, law, all these things. Yeah. The word of God, obviously, old theologians and stuff. But <clears throat> I remember when I would go to school, I was so bothered that I was going to school, but I loved the people around me, dude. I had heathen, my friends that were heathens. I was in a mecha- I was in mechanic school, so mm-hmm. I was going to be an auto mechanic. Dude, they would go with me to the mall and hand out gospel tracts with me just because they thought I was cool. Like, hey, we'll help you, bro. You know, they'd be cussing the whole time. Hey, 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 mother, get over here. Get one of these. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, totally misrepresenting God. But, like, God was using that, like, yeah. to, to, to get to people and, like, be just, I mean, it was awesome. And I got to witness to all these guys. And 
I remember the first, it was like the second week I was a Christian. If I'm not mistaken, Jake came up to me and said, hey, you want to go street preach? I was like, what's that? And so we set up a soapbox outside of the fair, I think, at New Ulm. And, dude, we were handing out tracks and preaching. I knew that I knew that I knew I was called to preach. He changed my life, man. Like, and I started talking about Christ and, like, what he did, how he changed me, like, and I couldn't remember what I said because I didn't know the word. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was just saved, but I just kept telling people, man, this is Jesus thing. <laughs> this Jesus thing changed my life, man. Do you have any resistance or fear to to doing the street preaching thing or, yeah. or second-guessing yourself? Like I had a fear, I think, walking up to it, yeah. but I wasn't afraid to do it. But I had a fear of like, man, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I did meet resistance sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it was like people would like, ah, F you. you know, so I remember one time, dude, we were stupid. We set up outside of a Catholic church because they were having a beer tent. You know, at the time I was like very against yeah. drinking and all that stuff. And we'll get into that another time. But like we started preaching against the dude, this big, big man, but Jahamba. He was like 6'6", <laughs> massive dude. He's like in our face, pointing at us, you know, get out of here. You guys going to hell too? I mean, this is crazy. Like, so... You know, I was one of the extreme cases of Christianity where I probably led more people to hell than heaven, right? Because I'm like, you need yeah. Jesus now, you know? And if you don't change it, you know, some of the people watching this, can I, they'll attest to it. I, 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 they thought I went nuts. I mean, this guy, like, he went to Christ, you know, Christ, and he's like, you need Jesus, you know? And I'm, I'm like, but in my heart, dude, my heart was so right to say, you need Jesus. I just didn't know how to communicate it. I had no tact, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd be like, man, you're all in sin. You're going to hell. If y'all don't change and repent, which is true. But I mean, there's more to it than that. There's more like you ever see in the scriptures, you never see Jesus talk about hell to the Gentile or to the, I'm sorry, to the Jews. He did to the Pharisees. The you will have weeping people. and gnashing. That's right. You'll have weeping and gnashing teeth. You know why? Because you know the truth and you don't walk in it, but you demand of them to walk in the truth and you don't. But when he came to the people who didn't know him and he was trying to minister to, he follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, never preached hellfire. But at the time, it was like every Baptist person I heard was like, hellfire and brimstone, you know what I mean? And so did I meet resistance? Yes, um, but I wasn't afraid. It was just like my life is dead, you know, yeah. dude? That's all I remember. I would just say, Lord, my life's dead. I'm just dead. I want to be you. I just want to be like you. Did a lot of stuff that you heard um, growing up in the churches, did that click for you then? Was there a reconnect or did you not even think about that. I didn't stuff. even think about it anymore. Um, more so because I was pretty frustrated with the church system. I was like Thomas Jefferson. I loved this God thing and the idea of God. I just hated church, yeah. you know? And the reason is because I saw more, I mean, dude, they'd be preaching on Sunday, right? Praising God, literally throwing up their hands and saying, we love God. Gossip about each other, literally, as soon as they walk out the door. Why do I want to learn from that? You know what I mean? So I started studying the Word of God for myself, and I started pulling out old preachers. I don't know if you could see it. It was Charles Spurgeon right here. One of the first people I ever read about was Charles Spurgeon. And I got a picture of him here. What is it? 17 years later? You know, it's like I have a mounted picture of this guy who's like my hero, you know? And <clears throat> I remember the when I first got saved, I was in the basement of my buddy's house. And, and to start off the story... I started a business because I was like, man, I want to make money. So we started detailing cars because I'm Mexican, right? <laughs> yes. Come on. Have fun no, with me. No, okay. That's, that's Have fun. fun. Was, right. Jeez. Sitting in the truck with another guy who, you know, he's Latino <laughs> and he's like, you got it so good. You're white. You know, like, 
He's like, I'm going to be on a roof the rest of my life. I'm like, no, you don't have to. Yeah, but. you can do Start your business, right? So, I mean, I was detailing cars, man. We were making a... Gr- I was making great money, right? I remember there'd be months, dude. I saw the faithfulness of God in my buddy who got uh, I got saved through. Yeah. And to his credit, dude, he believes in his God. This guy is... I mean... He, I remember one time we needed like 660 bucks. He had to pay rent and I was living in his basement. So uh, he had had a kid and his, there was complications. So I was like, I didn't get paid for that month. You know, I just let them have the money because they needed it and they just let me stay for free. So I remember one time he went around the blocks, walking around the block, praying to Lord, Lord, I need this. I don't know how we're going to pay rent. I'm not even kidding you. He shows up back to his house within five minutes. We got a phone call from the the two dealerships. One of them said, we have six vehicles right now. We were charging 120 bucks a vehicle. Full detail. (laughs) He said, we have six vehicles here waiting for you. We need them done in two days. Nice. (laughs) Dude, it was seven at night. We'll get them right now. Sure enough, boy, we go out there, tear it up, just start doing cars. I mean, I saw the faithfulness of God to step out in faith. I didn't know what I was doing. It was my first taste of stepping out in faith. When I left the house, that was stepping out in faith. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm just going to move to this guy's house. I don't even barely know, but I loved him to death. And I was going to college and we start this business and I step out in faith and God starts to provide. It was hell, but God started to provide. And, and through, I just saw God's faithfulness right away in my life. So mm-hmm. stepping out in faith wasn't very difficult for me. You know, even preaching, it's not difficult for me. I have more fear about, Lord, what are you going to say? Yeah. You know what I mean? Was it, was it, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go next? Or is, was it, I'm going to go and the Lord will be with me wherever I go? Both. Both. I feel, it's, it's more like that. It's the second is more now. Yeah. Back when I was a kid, next adventure, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a vagabond by choice. I think like, I just love to travel and roam and discover and I'm, I'm an adventurer at heart. Um, I like the next peak, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I hate valleys. I hate dry times. I hate the mundane. I don't like routine. You know, that's just not my thing though. I have to be yeah. right. If you have a you know ministry and all these things, businesses, but I hate, so I would rather let someone else do that as I continue to search the next thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, uh, but now I'm seeing more where God's glorified more in the routine, the mundane, keeping me in a structure and in a schedule and uh, how to do these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you and Jake are detailing cars. Yeah. Right. You you guys are, business is growing and everything. So what's the next step? Where, where'd you go from there? So he gave me the CD of a guy. This is where it gets hairy. Um, there, there's a, there was a guy in Minneapolis that had a ministry and uh, he gave me the CD of this guy's story. So I listened to their band. They were like, totally 80s, man. <laughs> but bro, like, I'm an 80s nut, man. Yeah. Like, the greatest music to me ever written was like 70s, <laughs> 80s, you know, transitioning. And then all of a sudden, the late 80s, you know, with the Aquanet hair, you know what I mean? The big hoop earrings <laughs> and the makeup, right? And the solos, you know what I mean? When, like, they would do a solo and they'd be like, and they would hand it off to the next guy. I mean, that's my <laughs> jam, right? And these guys had long hair, tattoos, and they were a Christian band. And this guy had a story. And... Uh, I was so enamored by the story. And he said, man, this, this guy's going to have a church service. And so um, I said, yeah, let's go. So we went, we drove a couple hours, we went up to Minneapolis, and I was hooked. And the, the first day I got there, nothing really happened. I was like, this is cool. I didn't know what we were doing. Maybe we were just going there once because it was his old friend. Yeah. And then we went, started going a couple more times, and I remember they had a band. And it was called Junkyard Prophet. <clears throat> so the drummer is the guy that was running this ministry. And so uh, I'd been up there a couple of times. I'd seen my future wife and I was like, she's gorgeous. You know what I mean? I remember I was like, she's hot and I like her, yeah. but 
I just broke up with my girlfriend. I was like, I'm not even looking right now, but I thought she was cute. And uh, I remember they said they needed a bass player. Well, that's what I'd done for so long since I was five. Yeah. And I had, I had been playing in other bands during this process. So, you know, I was pretty good. I'd say I was pretty good. I could play by ear. And I said to them, hey, you know, and it took someone to push me into it. One of my buddies from this, when I got saved by Jake, see, his name was Danny. He passed away. God rest his soul. And uh, uh, he had cancer. And uh, he, he said, Massey, why aren't you taking this opportunity to go play bass? I was like, what? You know, he's like, dude, yeah, these guys are good. And I think you can be, you can do it. So I'm just like chubby Mexican dude. <laughs> well, these guys like long hair tattoos. I got none of that. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I'll play bass. And they kind of looked at me like, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I said, look, what do you got to lose? Give me a shot. He said, you got three days to learn 13 songs. You got it. I went home, learned them in a day. You know, they just, I learned them and played them. And I was a part of that band for 12 years. I mean, I was in that ministry. We were traveling for a long time and got to share testimonies in over 300 schools and colleges and civic groups and um, kind of was a model for what I'm doing now in a sense, you know what I mean? But doing it God's way, you know, so yeah, about 12 years, 12 years in the ministry, you're playing in the band. So I want to get deeper into the ministry. Sure. Right. So you start the ministry. Obviously this guy has some type of, of, draw interest excitement yeah about what was going yeah it was on. his story yeah it was his story that attracted you to it yeah man his heart i mean it just seemed like you would listen to it and he was all about like reaching the next generation he was such a truth talker i still believe one of the most anointed preachers i've ever heard i mean this guy yeah. could captivate an audience you know because he's like six foot five and just a he's, beast of a yeah. guy you know what i mean but he just had this presence about him yeah. you know what i mean he'd walk into a room and it was just like he just had this power about him and um, yeah, and you were drawn to his message too, right? Like yeah, that, dude. that just clicked with you. Right? It did. It, there, there was, you know, he would talk about his story and how he, you know, one of the stories I always remember is about his son, and you know, his son almost got hit by a car, and he told his son not to move from the corner, but his son did anyways, and the car almost hit him. So he grabbed him, he spanked his butt, and he said, "Don't you ever do that again, Daddy loves you." And the moral of the story is, if you don't listen to the word no the first time, the second one, the second man might not stop, right? So I I remember these things, and I was like, kids need to know this stuff. And so he had had this ministry already. He was traveling uh, with the band, going into schools. And so it just attracted me to, like, they want kids saved, you know what I mean? So how did you start getting more involved with it? How did you connect and and really get involved with that ministry? Like I said, I went to that church, and then they needed a bass player. So uh, I was about a year in. I left that little town. Moved up to Minnesota uh, through a series of events. Uh, all I can tell you is it was hell at first, you know, but yeah. every good move of God is it, you have to go through hell, I think. Like when people get words or visions and like, or when they get like, a, they go to church, like, man, God gave me a word and it was amazing. Here comes the war. You yeah. know what I mean? So all I know is it was hell at first. So like the first year I was, all I was doing was playing. I didn't do anything more than that. Matter of fact, I didn't even play bass the first two times. I was just rapping. So I used to be a rapper, you know, and just, I know that sounds crazy, right? Because you can't. Nah, yeah, exactly. Doing the camera right here. He's <laughs> laughing right now. He's chuckling at me. These guys are laughing right now. I used to rap. Yeah, I was yeah. a speed rapper and I loved it, man. I lo- We were like a mix of like, uh, it was like Rage Against the Machine and like, what's another speed rap? Kind of like a new metal. Yeah, new metal is what they call it. Metalcore. Yeah, yeah that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So you're in the band. You're starting to do more of the ministry. Yep. Right. So... How did things progress over the so, years? So, yeah, yeah, this, that's a good question. So I started getting involved in like, you know, hey, how can I help the ministry? Well, mm-hmm. we need fundraisers. So, boy, <laughs> it was like 10 years of it. We'd be out on the streets, and I wasn't good at it, man. I sucked. I, I'm not a good 
I don't like cold conversations a lot. You know what I mean? I don't mind if I'm in a group, but I don't, I'll reverse that. I'm good at cold conversations when I don't want anything from you. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about to get anything from you. I just want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Most everybody I take out to eat, I pick up the tab because I don't want anything from you. I just want to get to know you. I want to know who you are. And so they said, hey, we need fundraisers. So I'd be outside of stores, dude, 360 some odd day, 350 days at minimum a year. And you, that's how you met mm-hmm. me. Yep. We'd be outside of gas stations, Walmarts, grocery stores, all these things, set up a little table, and we'd have to raise a certain amount of money a day. That was kind of the goal. And at first, it was like, okay, this is the goal. No big deal. Well, then it became like, you better hit this goal or you're not prospering by God. And that's where things started to turn. At first, probably the first three, four years, uh, I'd say five or six. You know, It was like the, the vision was schools, hmm. reaching kids. So our heart was, let's go out and do this. Um, and, but it just really started to turn weird. What was like, you better, or you're not prospering because you're not prospering because you're in sin. And, um, I freely admit, and I'll just say it right now before we get into more conversations, I literally, I felt like I was in a cult at, by the end of it, you know, and I'll tell you more as we go on. Did you notice a change in him around that five year mark? Yeah. You you saw the change in him. Totally, totally. But it was like, am I the one questioning? Cause he's older spiritually than I am. He's again, here's what I'll say too: being young should never deter you from being bold in Christ and preaching. But there's a reason young people should not be in leadership or ministry right away. The Bible says, not a novice, lest he being lifted up with pride, he falls into the snare of the devil. I was 21, young, on fire, and stupid. I had never been discipled. A lot of my friends were about my age. We weren't really discipled yet, so we just hopped headlong into this ministry because we saw the vision. This guy already had the vehicle. Let's go out and help this thing. You know, it's let's push the sucker. You know what I mean? And And that's what it was. And you guys, you put yourselves underneath somebody who was older, and and you saw as wiser, and you saw as a leader. Yeah, absolutely. Natural progression. Yeah. So, So you started to see him change. You started to see pressure on you to make money, to, to, you know, and if you were doing something you didn't like, you were in sin, you weren't going the right. That was a constant like, thing. Was it? Yeah, it was constant. When I was in that band, I got kicked out once. Cause he said, you know, you just, you don't carry the right attitude. You must be in sin. I'm like, no dude, I don't know what to do. You know, like now when kids walk into my office and I pastor, right. When they come in heavy, I don't look at them and say, you morons. Why are you guys in sin? Which is how the attitude was to us. Yeah. You should know better. You're stupid. You better get it right. And nowadays I look at them with so much compassion, like, Hey, I know you're being an idiot right now. I know that, but is that what's going to change? Or is it the love of God and the spirit of meekness that's going to change you? And the Bible even says, shall I come unto you with a rod and the spirit of meekness? Sometimes you have to correct hard. And I get that, but you don't need to do it. Like the name of Christ is offensive already. You don't need to be a jerk about it. You know what I mean? So sometimes we add ourselves into the mix on how to reprove. And some people will use, oh, Paul was rude of speech. Yeah, that was Paul. And we're supposed to learn from people not to do that. The, if you read 1 Corinthians, it talks about love is patient, love is kind. Love is truth, right? But there's a way to deliver the truth in love. You know what I mean? And I didn't have that. And so we would constantly get berated for stupid little things that, you know, you're not hitting your goals, you're in sin. Or it could be that I suck at it and I'm not going to change. <laughs> I don't like doing this. I don't like asking money from people. That's just not what I'm good at. You know, I'm a good PR guy. I love shaking hands, kissing babies and talking. That's who I am. Right. Henceforth, I have a ministry. That's why the first, what, two years, two, three years, we didn't go out publicly ask for donations. 
No. Up until last year, we said, hey, could you guys help us with monthly support? People were totally willing to do it, but we never did it before, you know? And you and I had a lot of conversations about Absolutely. that, too. But, and, and we had plenty of people saying, no, you need to ask for money. That's we right. We don't feel like it. Um, and God's prospered us more, I believe. Absolutely. The way we did um, it his way. I, I believe that the Lord's carrying it. Absolutely. Um, the number one question people will ask you sure. is, well, if it was getting that way, why didn't you get out? Um, have you ever talked to someone that's been abused before? Any of you guys in the room? Have you ever talked to someone who's been like hurt by a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Yep. Like anything like that. You know what I mean? And they're like, but he loved me. You know, and you're like, no, he don't. He hurting you. And you're like, no, but you don't understand. They always say that, but you don't understand. I'm like, I was at the point of, I don't even care how much of a jerk the guy is. I see the vision and we want to carry the vision. So it yeah. didn't really matter what he was doing to me. I can handle it. Right. But year 10, year nine, year 10, I was in it for almost 12 years. Year nine, it was like, this is weird. I felt like quitting already. I told my wife, I said, hey, I'm quitting. I'm done. You know, she's like, no, babe, we got to pray together. We got to blah, 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 you know. And I listened and I was like, okay, fine. We'll be a part of the ministry. We kept going in it. And people ask me that sometimes. Like, didn't you see? I'm like, yeah, but dude, he's got flaws. No big flipping deal. You know what I mean? I, I, it grew me a thick skin, you know? Yeah. That's why I had such a hard time pastoring because when people will come in with their petty problems, I'm like, really? You've been to an orphanage yet? You know what I mean? So like, my mind was already like, I don't care about petty stuff. I care about the big things. And, you know, what's going to get that guy to overcome his drug addiction? He just lost his family. That's what I'm after, you know? And so, but the, the, hard, the hard question is, why did I stay if I knew? Because I saw past the man and I saw the goal yeah. and I saw the vision. That's really my true answer. Two, you don't really see abuse as abuse. So I said, you know, it's just him. That's how he is. I, it doesn't matter to me, you know, and then by the end of it, there was already some things going on where he was saying certain things. He got caught up in the press and I couldn't support some of the things he was saying at the time. Um, I don't know what he's doing now, but I pray for him. I really do. And I hope, you know, dude, I'm telling you, he's one of the best preachers I ever heard as far as like his doctrine and like not not just that, just like the delivery and the heart behind his message. Um, but there was just certain things that was like, bro, you know, you're not even doing this right. You know what I mean? So. So what? what brought you to leave? What finally uh, made it click for you? My wife looked at me. She said, I'm done. This guy will never change. And I was like, okay, well then some people had filed an injunction. Uh, uh, it's sort of like a complaint yeah. to the attorney general. And I won't go any farther than that, but they filed something. And I, there was some things in there that were written. I'm like, really, bro? And he's like, let's take it out of context. And I'm like, but is it true? You know? Well, yeah, and then I put in my two weeks. You know, it was like when I saw some things that were just like shady behind the scenes stuff. The stu and dude, I was on the board of the church. You know what I mean? So just things that I saw. It just, I was thirty three, man. I was done. I was tired. How long are you going to keep fundraising outside of storage? You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't keep doing that for the rest of your life. And um, I wanted to grow. He really didn't think that I could at the time. He was like, you know, I. I he was really good at like I'm regulating you. You can't grow. And so I just said, I'm done. You know, I, I feel like I need to grow. And so uh, right after a month after my wife left, I quit. And uh, it was one of those things where it was really hard for me because yeah. I love the dude. And I was hurt by it. To be honest with you, I walked in, saved, walked out, not even knowing if I was a Christian. I, I remember that vividly. I remember going to a park and my friend, my, my, my brother, I wish I can give him a hug right now, Les Woody. And I'll, I'll say it, faithful man, faithful guy. He came up to me and he said, I, I called him and he said, Massey, if you were to die tonight, do you know you'd go to heaven? 
or not. And I lost it. I said, I don't know. He said, well, you can know right now. And I got saved. <laughs> so 12 years of ministry, bro, like 11 years, I didn't even know if I was going to heaven. Yeah. That's how twisted I became about God. Because I saw God as this tyrannical God. I could never earn his love. It was never good enough. All these things, you know, you're always in sin. And, you know, you know, we were compassionate to other people, but to us, it was bad. Yeah. And we would rebuke each other for no reason. And we would be on each other all the time. And there's all this discord. And so I left because there was things that were said I didn't agree with anymore. Uh, and there was the, the real doctrinal stuff, you know, like I didn't agree with it anymore. Right. He was starting to say stuff politically that I didn't agree with anymore. And, uh, you know, like certain things about homosexuality and stuff like that. It's like, bro, look, I get it. It's sin. I get it. And it's abomination before God. But you're starting to like flirt lines of like craziness in some senses. So it's like, I'm done. And I want to make this public because, you know, yeah. and I've done this before, but it's easier for me if I make it public and, and, I, and yeah. I go with it, you know, just yeah. because that's where I stand with it. I don't hate the man. I don't. I used to. God delivered me from that too. Two years ago, about a year and a half ago. I still carried it for five years. Someone prayed for me, man. He said, do you carry bitterness? I said, absolutely. And God delivered me from it, man. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. And so I love him now. You know what happened? I went to an orphanage in Guatemala three years ago. And I was like going over there thinking, man, I'm going to change these kids. Lord, give me the words to speak. First stinking night I got there. Three little kids start praying. Ugh. I get it now, man. They started praying for me and my family, dude. They started praying about love for my family. These kids that didn't have a mom or dad, they were praying about God loving me. That's awesome, man. I finally understood the love of the Father through a kid that I didn't even know. They changed me more than I went to change them. They changed my heart. I texted him that night, the old ministry leader. He never responded. And I said, I'm sorry, but I'm praying for you. Hope everything's good. And I left it at that. And it was that God started to change my heart. I wasn't bitter anymore. Mm. And finally, a couple of years ago, he really took it all out of me. So it's just like, <clears throat> that's why I say I can talk about him now. Like, if I see him again, it'd be cool. But I hope it's different. I hope he's changed, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I'll say this too, to his credit. He was just as young and naive as we were. I'm not excusing him. He, did, he was reading the same Bible we were, right? But people are stupid. You know, look, Jesus called us sheep, which was a nice way of saying we're stupid. We yeah. need to be led. Yep. Because we're stupid. Dude, the fact that Jesus wrote about forgiveness in the Bible should reprove us already. If we already have the love of Christ, why do we need to, why do we need to write about that? <laughs> we should already know that. Mm -hmm. But he wrote about it to us, yeah. you know? Yeah. And <clears throat> you, you had a tough time after that, right? Oh, geez. Right, so you step out the door, you, you're basically facing a whole new world. Because yeah. for 12 years, you... Had no you, job skills. Doing this, I mean, for that, right? anyways, yeah. yeah. It was all-encompassing. So, at the risk of sounding cliche, what did it feel like to step out the door and see a whole world that you really didn't know? You know what I mean? Have you ever had where you were like blind and you finally go to the eye doctor, like you've had the same pair of glasses for like four years. You go back to the eye doctor and all of a sudden you get the new ones. You're like, there's birds in the <laughs> air. There's like, seriously, like the trees, like they have leaves on them. They're not blobs anymore. That's what it felt like. Um, I got a job as a welder because I'd been doing that for years. You know, I was really good at it. And someone took a chance on me, man. Brent Minkinen. I'll never forget him. 
he's been a great supporter and a great friend. And uh, he was hiring for another guy, and he has his own shop now. And uh, he was hiring for another guy, and um, he said, hey, we'll, we'll take you. And I think it's because they were desperate for workers. Yeah. So <laughs> he's like, hey, practice on Illumina. I've never done it before. He took me in. Dude, the second week I was there, I got a 50-cent raise. I mean, I just caught on. And, yeah. I, you know, they gave me a key to the shop within two weeks, you know, and I was doing overtime on my own. And uh, it got, like, six raises in a year. God really blessed that yeah. time. But we went broke, you know, because we had two incomes at the time, and now we have one. So it was just me and... Oh, man. Thank God for Catholic Charities. Thank God. You know, people say, it sucked. I was broke, man. I look back now thanking God for that because now I know his faithfulness to my life. And dude, I hate crying, man, but it's the truth. Like, um, we would go to Catholic Charities with nothing. Nothing, man. And it was like, I would feel like such a loser because of that mindset I had, you know, of like, you're, you're, you're never good enough. And the reason why you're failing is because you're failing God. And I would come home every night. My wife would tell me, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Keep going. I'm proud of you. And, and it, was, it was hard, dude, for like five years of having this mindset of I'm not good enough. Yeah. And I'm going to give a plug to this guy, Joe Zupitz. If you look him up, Joe Z, Joseph Z uh, in Colorado. Joseph Z is his Facebook page. You want to support this guy. He's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. One of the greatest, one of the, probably one of the most encouraged, the most encouraging guy I've ever seen. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, he... Uh, 11 years ago, prophesied to me once. He said, I, you have a pastor's heart. You have a pastor's heart. You're going to pastor. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I can't even pastor myself, man. I can't even tie my own shoes. I still drool on my pillow. I am not pastoring, you know? And uh, I remember, he, but his heart was so genuine. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Great word, right? And I took it to my heart. And I went through this 11-year wilderness. Yeah. You know what God taught me the whole time I was in that group? When I got out, I knew how to love people. I knew what was wrong and right and how to love people. I still didn't learn limitations, but I learned how to love. And it was pretty cool. And But when I left that group in 2013, I think it was. Yeah, 2013, 2012, 2013. Yeah. I went to a church service. I left in September. That November, I went to a church service that he was at, and he looked at me, dude, and he just called down heaven on me. And uh, prophesied a lot of cool things. And he was just so encouraging. And he looked at me and he said, Massey, God loves you, bro. And there's nothing you can do about it. What? Like foreign concept to me. Yeah. God loves me. Like for anybody watching this, that's how it was. I did not know that. I thought God condemned me if I wasn't doing the right thing, if I didn't understand. Dude, I just realized a month ago. This is how bad and twisted doctrine can be in your life. Mm -hmm. Dude, and I've been a preacher since 01, right? I've been ministering since, since 01. I just found out last month, guys, I don't have to be holy. I want to be. Yeah. I want to be now. I want to serve God with all my heart. I want to love him with every fiber of my being. You know what I mean? Yeah. So doctrinally, in, in, in my family, <clears throat> my kids never said hi to me. They never said daddy because I was gone all the time. Three weeks a month, I was usually gone raising money and doing all these things. And now I understand his righteousness, his love, and his mercy and goodness to me. I didn't understand it then. I understand it now. And that's the only way we learn those lessons. Yeah. Right? And I'm not saying everybody has to go through a cult, but yeah. people have issues. Yeah. And I'm learning, too, that trials in Scripture are not the same trials of today. People face persecution unto death. These days, it's internal internal afflictions, internal persecutions. And I was like, I'm going to die one day for the Lord. And you know what? I might. I'm not, I'm not erasing yeah. that fact. You know what I mean? 
but we're facing now a more spiritual battle in the mind and the heart, kids that are dying, you know what I mean? Those kind of things. So, and why we started self-evident, you know, that's, yeah. that's why we did it. So, so let's, let's go, you have a welding, right? How did, and then, you know, just to kind of preface, you went into Institute on the Constitution after the welding yeah, shop, so, right? How did you get there? Yeah. So Jake was a part of that same group. He mm-hmm. left uh, about a month after I did, but he had already had a connection to IOTC, Institute on the Constitution. And so he had gone there just as a consultant trying to clean things up. And this dude's so good. Like, yeah, he, he comes into a situation and outrageous. just cleans it up. He knows to cut the fat and the pork. Why are we spending this on this? And so he went in there and, like, slashed the budgets and, you know, got rid of a couple of people they didn't need. You know, he's like, these two can handle what they're doing, so get rid of them and stuff like that. And then uh, about a year went by. He became the main speaker, right? And he's like, Mass, I need help. And I'm like, bro, I, I would love it, man, but... I get paid this much here, and it's I got a good gig, you know. But I'd been crying out to God to go back into ministry because I knew that that was my call. I'm supposed to preach, man. I yeah. ain't supposed to be in a welding shop. Though, I got to say something, man. So many times I got to witness in that welding <laughs> shop, man. It was so fun because I got to preach, man, all the time, yeah. you know. And, and it was great, you know. And I got to be an example to the guys there, and hopefully God honored that, you know. And uh, so he called me, and I said, yeah, I'll do it. And I made my boss pretty angry because he was really good to me. His name's Al. I love him to death, man. Um, he was so good to me as, as in, in the welding shop. And I said, hey, man, this is what my calling is. And he was so sad and kind of hurt to see me go. He helped me out a lot. But I think he understood, you know. Yeah. And so went to join Jake, <clears throat> traveled all over the country. First time I ever spoke was that November, you know. And uh, Jake said, I can't make it to that event. Can you do it? And I'm like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to say. He's like, just follow <laughs> the slides. And that he threw me into it. I had already known history. I'd been teaching the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, I'm a history buff. I love God and the, the the Republic and all these things. And it was starting to frustrate me when people talk about separation of church and state. So my heart was the same heart his was. But he's more teacher. I'm more, you know, kind of preacher, evangelist. And uh, so we're different styles. But, dude, his heart is just huge. Jake's heart is such gold. And uh, he's just done so right by me and, and, and to me. Um, his family's amazing. They live in uh, North Carolina and... Uh, the ministry is still awesome, you know, yeah. still awesome. And I'm the vice president still. Uh, so after that, I was there for about a year and they couldn't pay me anymore. They were running out of money, which is fine. Um, and then, but that August, see, I ended that job in December, but that August, my wife came up to me and said, Hey, uh, she was like in tears and I was in my office and I'm doing my thing. Right. And this is how males work. Right. We're one tracks. So we're like, <laughs> right. She comes in, she goes, I was just in prayer. She said, God, tell me you're going to start preaching on your own and you're supposed to use your music. And I'm like, uh, okay. And then I went back to doing what I was doing. <laughs> like, I didn't even like register to me, like what she said yeah. that December, I lost my job and I had already had events to go speak in January and February. And we made this decision of starting self-evident, you know, we just said, we're going to, we're going to do this on our own. We don't have an income. It was like, dude, we started this ministry in January, that January of 2016. Yeah. Is it 2016? Yeah, I believe so. It was 2016. Yeah, that's right. Uh, with a negative dollar eighty two in our account, that's how we started. And I had to go to Ohio in a week, and we didn't have any money to go. I had preached in December in Massachusetts because when I went on that mission trip, I met a pastor there. He's like, "Hey," he was so impressed with how I preached, and he said the anointing was there. So he's like, "Hey, can you come to my church?" Well, I went out there, uh, got to preach, uh, speak at a couple of other places for IOTC, and mm-hmm. I was up there preaching as me, you know, just me. And a, and a gentleman, his name's Dave. And he was our first supporter. He said, hey, I want to start supporting your ministry. So I sent him stuff about IOTC, and he said, I don't want that. I want you. I want to support you. So he started sending us checks. The first check he sent us was 500 bucks. Yeah. 
He said, I'm going to send this every month to you, he said. And uh, I was able to buy groceries and use the other 200 bucks to put gas in my tank. And that was the first store we did. And, dude, it was bomb, man. It was, uh, dude, I felt like. I'm in ministry, you know, I've, I've arrived, you know, I'm the man and I got this, I'm in control, you know what I mean? And yeah. like, God's going to totally bless it. And dude, everybody I thought that would be for me was against me. I had so many people come against us. Christians do like, what are you stupid? You know? And I was like, I don't care what y'all say. This is why it's so important. When you hear the voice of God, you better make sure it's the voice of God. And if you don't obey it, you'll lose the blessing. Mm-hmm. We did it with no money. And God's prospered it. And it's been hell, but it's been awesome. Yeah. Three years in, we're seeing God move so awesome now uh, and, and been faithful to us, dude. Uh, year, was it the first year? First, Yeah, first year. So uh, I'll tell you a quick story. It was, I think it was April or March, April, one of the two. I was on my way to Michigan, guys. So we had like five events or something like that. And it was nighttime and none of them guaranteed us paying to, to, to pay us. So I was like, okay, so I'm starting to drive. First 10 hours, I'm like, Frida, you know, yelling out the window, like, God is awesome. Literally, hour 11, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not going to make any money doing this. This is stupid. God, this is dumb. You know, I call my wife. This is stupid. Cancel the whole thing. She calls me back, says two events just canceled. So now I have three events. And I'm up there for seven days. So I'm like, this is stupid. This is stupid. So I get up there. I got to the first event. I had slept an hour and a half in my car. Got up there. They didn't have a thing I needed. I needed a projector and sound system so I could run my laptop. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any of that stuff. I text my board. I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm quitting the ministry. It's like six months, you know, our fifth month in, you know, and I'm like, this is stupid. I don't know why I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. They started praying. I opened my laptop, did my whole presentation. Two people were ministered to. I made a hundred bucks that night. So I had this like four day gap. And so I have friends on the other side of Michigan. And I thought, hey, because I was on the Detroit side. So mm-hmm. I drove all the way over there. They're my best friends. Their dad was a, a huge mentor to me, um, and he passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, and this was April. That's what it was. So I went over there to go take his son, this guy Bob, his son, and I are like brothers, you know. And his, whole, mm. his other sons, we're like brothers, and we love each other. And I said, man, I, I'm going to be up there for a couple of days anyways, take him out to lunch, whatever. And so his dad saw me, and he said, hey, hey, get over here, boy. You know, and like pulls me into his office, and he's talking to me. He's like, hey, I heard you got a ministry. Seen some of them videos, you know, and all this other stuff. And I was like, yeah, Bob, I didn't say anything because that, you know, whatever. And he's like, why didn't you tell me you were doing that? You know, he was really like genuinely. This was the kind of guy that's make these guys are like well off, you know, would take time for me. This chubby Mexican kid from Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. He would take time for me to pour into me and mentor to me. And every time I would sit with him, you're going to change the world, kid. He would always tell me that you're going to change the world, kid. And I'm like, you're right. I'm going to change the world. You know, I didn't believe, but I didn't know what to say. And, you know, he said, you know, so, so how's it going? And I said, man, we're reaching these people, but I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to take Andrew to lunch. I kept trying to divert. And he's like, so, you know, how's the, how the finances? And I'm like, well, we just started, Bob. How are the finances? I don't know. You know, (laughs) I didn't tell him my events canceled. None of that stuff. I didn't say anything. I had a hundred bucks in my pocket. Right. (laughs) That's all we made. And uh, he said, so, so how much are you guys running a month? How much do you need? And I'm like, Bob, I'm not here for that. I'm not here for that. He goes, I know you're not. I'm just asking. So I told him. This is stupid. <laughs> um, 
And he, he wrote me an entire month's finances. And he says, because you didn't ask. So I'm, I'm driving frustrated and mad. I made 100 bucks, and he wrote me almost a $6,000 check. And I did the other two events. And I text the board, and I text my wife, and I said, look at this, look. And uh, the whole, we were all rejoicing and praying and crying, and like, God is so amazing, you know. And that's just been the story of self-evident, man. You know, that's been our story, you know, um, of how faithful. Even last year, you know, flipping, <laughs> there's so much to this, man. There's so much to oh. All the adversity and the trials, man, God's good. So, And, you know, we, we wanted to keep this a little bit shorter because obviously we could for hours. Um, so now self-evidence going. Now you're it's awesome. your pastor for Revive Church. I'll make it quick, yeah. You know, and, and I just want to close out, like, what have you taken away from all of this? What, what are the biggest lessons that you've really learned that are going to carry you through the next chapter? If you're willing to step out, God will never leave you or forsake you. If you're willing to take him at his word, he won't leave you. You'll go through hell, but he shows you heaven. He's faithful. He's never not provided. And he loves me. Like, he genuinely loves me. And I didn't even know that for a long time. And um, he's, he's so awesome. He still blows me away with, like, faithfulness and, like, how, how much he cares. And he'll speak to me, man, at different times. And all these people that are skeptics, you know why you're skeptical? Because the Bible says a natural man won't receive the things of the Spirit of God. It's a spiritual walk. It's faith, you know. And so what I've taken out of this is I've never known him to be unfaithful. Down to a couple months ago, a guy came up to me and said, I'm supposed to write off your entire debt. We're debt free now. I mean, just little things like that. And that seems big, but to me, those are victories, man, little milestones in our lives. And I'm saving up for a house now for my kids. You know, God is just so faithful to me. And, and, I, and I believe it's because I served him with my whole heart, no matter what ministry I was in. And that other one with Jake, I still do with Jake. And I love Jake so much. Um, but he's taught me to love people. And I'll say this, as you serve other people, when you have your own calling, is exactly the kind of people I'll put behind you, because that's exactly what I have. Even the people in this room right now, the people that are volunteering to videotape this stuff for us, videotape, what is it, the 90s? <laughs> uh, you know, to, okay. Big VHS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's got the big old, <laughs> you remember those? What, <laughs> Looks like bazookas. Yeah, JVC, those big things, you know? Uh, what is this, the 90s? Uh, I'm, I'm getting old, too, you know? I still remember the 90s, right? Um, even the people in this room that are helping, uh, you know, record the stuff and, like, Breno that's sitting on the ground here, he's like, he came up to me and said, God told me I was supposed to help you. I'm like, we were just praying about someone to help us with video stuff because yeah. I suck at it, you know? And then this guy over here, he's like been so faithful, you know, at, at, at the thing I pastor with the young adults, you know, now I'm the Connections pastor, young adults pastor, and, you know, do other things on the, you know, having the ministry and just different things. I direct our worship. I'm not the leader. I just direct and make it sound good, you know? <laughs> but um, I, that's what I've learned is exactly how I served other people, is exactly the people he puts in my life to serve Amen. the ministry. And it's not even me, dude. Like, they love God. That's what's so unique, you know? Yeah, and I think that's that's a lesson, <clears throat> too, is that as we're all part of the body. And so as we all show each other love and we all connect together for the vision that Christ has, 
we get to see other talents and gifts emerge and we get to appreciate yeah. those, yep. you know? Um, so on behalf of everybody, I want to thank you for, you know, spilling out what you've been through and what you've gone through, man. You know, Brenna was right. There's like a part two, part three to this. Oh, yeah. He was this, right. I didn't even realize it, dude. I was like, I could have went down so many oh, tangents yeah. and like how God was so faithful, but I appreciate it. And guys, and we'll probably do this again of like certain real questions and we're going to do yours here next week. And um, thank you guys for listening to the babblings. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, all right. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Guys, um, also check out the website at the end, theselfevidenttruth.com and yeah. our Patreon page and all these other things. We got so much going on and yeah. um, your support keeps us going. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Uh, absolutely what he said. Like we have all of the links. We've got everything. Uh, the website, the YouTube channel, we've got the iTunes. Yeah, we've got iTunes SoundCloud. Now. Like check it out, man. Share it, show it. Leave us comments. Let us know. Text us. Let us know you're listening, good or bad. Like we said, we like thumbs up. We like thumbs down. It doesn't matter to us. But anyways, all right, thank you very much, man. Love you guys. All right, love you guys. Night.